0: It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, this is Jeff Cranson. Welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. This week, I'm very privileged to have with me Ken Sikma, former Senate Majority Leader and uh, longtime legislator from my neck of the woods in West Michigan and Bob Emerson, a former Senate minority leader and the budget director under Jennifer Granholm. And we're here to talk about uh, some interesting proposals that a group that they chair put forth uh, early in the year to uh, solve our decades long transportation funding crisis and uh, talk about where that's going, where it hasn't gone yet, but they're still keeping up the fight and uh, everything else related to transportation funding. So thank you both for taking time to do this. Um, let's start with the question that I posed to Chad Livenga a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this, and why do you think this is so difficult? Why has it taken so long, and why is it so hard in Michigan to get agreement on you know something as basic as fixing our roads? Well, I think the biggest part of the problem is that
1: fixing the roads requires money, and additional money. And I think in recent years it's become even more difficult for the legislature to come to terms with the need to raise revenue for anything. Uh, and it was pointed out to us uh, earlier today that we're about $10 billion below the Headley limit, which uh, years ago was considered to be a very conservative proposal on uh, uh, trying to limit state uh, revenue. And so we're about $10 billion below that limit now, uh, but still everybody is in of the mind that uh, you don't raise taxes of any sort And in order to get to
0: take a pledge,
1: yeah, and I always found pledges to be kind of silly when I was running for office, because you never know what the future is going to bring and what kind of circumstances you're going to run into that are going to force you to violate whatever pledge you've uh, uh, taken. Uh, But I think, uh, you know, and it's just a difficult thing to have to go back and try and explain to people uh, why. This is necessary, but it's been so many years since there were any increases in road taxes. Cars have gotten a lot more fuel efficient. Uh, people are spending less on gasoline than they used to because cars are much more efficient. And uh, so I think, uh, you know, it just becomes a very, very difficult political process to have to go through to try and convince people that. Uh, you know, that amount of new revenue is needed. And uh, when we looked at the issue, uh, I think uh, Ken can get into it, but uh, everybody we had doing research, I mean, we had looked at the Citizens Research Council, talked with all the fiscal agencies, talked with anybody who had done any research on what was needed in Michigan, and came up with a dollar amount that was pretty, mu- pretty much staggering. Uh, even when we looked at it, uh, the amount of money that was needed to uh, fix the roads. So. Well, it
0: was pretty comparable to what the governor finally arrived at in terms of the cents. You guys came up with 47 cents, she came up with 45. The difference is you were going to phase yours in over nine years.
2: Well, that yeah, and that's probably um, a big difference in the sense that I think it's far more politically palatable to phase something like that in over a period of time. I think it also makes I, economic sense to phase it in and not try to do everything all at once but um bob is absolutely right i mean it's the roads don't fix themselves they're they're going to cost money it's an expensive proposition to bring michigan roads up to where they need to be and then to sustain them at that level and it means you have to raise taxes it's just it's just that simple now the complication is it's politically hard we understand that and as bob said you know when we looked at the need and realized what it was going to take to, to fix the roads, to solve the problem, I mean, we gulped kind of hard, which is kind of what led us to look at a, at a phase-in. But it's, it's hard politically, but it still has to be done. We still have to fix the roads in this state.
0: So your years in the House and the Senate, you weren't known as a, a particularly fond of taxes as a solution to problems. How hard was it for you to take that vote in 1997 for the 4-cent increase? Well,
2: look, I'm a Republican, and that means that uh, all taxes are bad, but some are necessary, and this falls into the necessary category. So in 1997, I was House Republican leader. John Engler was governor. We raised the gas tax, and um, it was done on the House side with um, half of the uh, votes were Republicans and half of the votes were Democrats on the House side and in the Senate it was by and large Republican votes and then a, a Republican governor signing into law but I, I'll, I'll be very candid that uh, when I had my finger over that green button you know I'm thinking oh man the people back home in Granville aren't going to like this but I didn't hear one peep of dissent from my constituents.
0: So I mean, how often in talking with legislators since then about this problem have you made that point, that, that nobody nationwide has lost an election because of a gas tax vote?
2: Well, sometimes it's like you're, you're speaking to deaf ears. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, every... Um, Every elected official, in this case we're talking representatives and senators here at the Capitol, you know, they have their own political filter. And with term limits, they're thinking of the next office. So they're concerned about it and worried about it. They don't want to cast a controversial vote. Nobody ever does, even before term limits. But sometimes, like I said, all taxes are bad, but some are necessary. That's sort of... uh, the I would characterize the vote that way. It's a necessary thing to do uh, because, look, I mean, nobody got drafted to to run for office. Everybody enlisted, uh, and it's part of your responsibility.
0: And I'd say it's part of your responsibility to tell people what they don't want to hear sometimes, and that's that these roads aren't going to fix themselves. So, Bob, talk about this plan. became known as the Grumpy Old Men Plan, which I thought was a little unfair to John Cherry and Paul Hilligans, but talk about that and And what it is about your years of experience that that made you gave you kind of the the wisdom and the oversight to to see your way to this forty seven cents solution
1: well as as I said earlier, you know every research uh, study that we had looked at said the problem was at least two and a half billion dollars, and as you looked at that problem to come up with a solution required you to come up with two and a half billion dollars and You know, we didn't think, and and certainly I didn't think, uh, having been budget director, uh, that you could squeeze $2.5 billion out of other places in the budget. Plus, we had traditionally uh, used a uh, user fee, which was gas taxes, uh, uh, to pay for roads. And uh, that made a lot more sense where you could connect the uh, use of the money with where the money was derived. And uh, so... uh, You know, when we looked at it, uh, $2.5 billion was a lot of money to try and come up with. And as Ken said, you know, we looked at uh, phasing it in because as former leaders of caucuses, we knew you could get people to vote for something, but you couldn't get them to uh, vote for the whole $2.5 billion at once. At least I didn't think you could. And I think that's kind of been proven with the discussions that have gone on in the legislature with them looking at 45 cents in a very short period of time. Uh, I think even uh, uh, the most liberal members and the people who would most likely vote for taxes were uh, having a hard time coming up with that.
0: Yeah. Well, so did you guys in, in your presentations and the people that came in and talked to you, the experts talk about something besides the gas tax? I mean, there's a story out of Washington State today that after piloting uh, you know, uh, vehicle miles traveled tax for a while, they've decided to go ahead with it and maybe seek legislation. It's been piloted other places. That goes to, to your point earlier about cars becoming more efficient. Um, we're not gonna be a tolling state anytime soon, but you know, the gas tax is the best thing we have now in terms of a user fee, but if we really wanna make people that, that drive pay for what they drive, in other words, the people who use the roads most pay the most, vehicle miles traveled would be the ultimate solution.
1: Yeah, we looked. We looked at that. Uh, I mean, and that was one of the solutions. I believe they're uh, trying that method out in Oregon, and uh, uh, they are uh, working out some of the kinks on that. Uh, we think it takes a long time to implement that uh, uh, program, to retrofitting every car in the state. You know, with the technology that's uh, needed to. Uh, monitor how many miles were driven how many miles were driven in the state uh, there's the big brother factor and and that was the one that you know I sort of said I don't know how we ever passed something like that because I remember discussions we had years ago about trying to uh, put up uh, cameras at uh, stoplights where there were uh, Uh, considerable uh, accidents where people were running red lights and making left turns on uh, red lights that they shouldn't have been making. And and so we were looking at uh, trying to install those, and we got into all kinds of civil civil liberty questions. You had people on both the right and the left complaining that you had... Big brother going to give you a ticket uh, without anybody ever seeing you do something, just a camera, and how do you know it was me behind a wheel, you know, all those sorts of things. And I think you run into sort of the same thing when you're doing the uh, vehicle miles driven I uh, think it's going to take a while for people to get used to the fact that the state is not monitoring, you know, which bar you went to, uh, uh, whether you were cheating on your wife, uh, you know, uh, any of those sorts of things, uh, uh, or cheating on your husband, I guess, You've too. you thought of then.
0: all kinds of things that I didn't even think about in terms yeah. of vehicle monitoring. We had some lively <laughs> discussions.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, it, it was one of those things that we said. We really need to go to at some point in time because it's probably a much more accurate measure of usage of the roads. Uh, The real question is, how do you get there? And because we saw the need as being immediate, uh, we needed an answer today, not something that you could phase in over
2: 10 years uh, like uh, uh, vehicle miles driven. Yeah, we, we looked at all kinds of options, sales tax, income tax, property tax, the, you know, the gas tax, the vehicle miles driven concept, you know, taking a look at the fact where more vehicles are becoming electric vehicles or hybrid. But at the end of the day, as Bob said, you know, we, we wanted to keep it a user fee as, as best we could. We thought that was the fairest way to go. And really in the short and kind of near term, the gas tax tried and true still is, is the best user fee to use at this point in time. Now, if things change down the road, if 50% of the fleet becomes electric, if this technology of vehicle miles driven becomes more acceptable, then the legislature and the governor at the time can, can make that transition. But we, we felt after looking at all of the options, hearing a lot of pros and cons to the different options, that still the the gas tax in the near and short term was really the best user fee to stick with.
0: And the problem in Michigan as you know is that uh, we put our sales tax on gas and most states don't. We're one of only a handful of states that does that and that makes our actual price on the gas tax seem much higher than it is and it makes it easy for opponents to say my goodness if you tack this much on top of it we'll be way ahead of everybody. That's misleading because of the six percent sales tax and I'm sure you guys talked about that too How that came to be? Well, it's
2: it's a complicating factor for Michigan, but it's also um, when people raise it, it tends the the people that raise it a lot tend to use it as a diversionary issue, so they don't really have to face the sort of the fundamental fact we have to raise taxes to fix the roads. Um, And even on any given day, um, the the fluctuation on any given day, the difference in gas prices between gas stations within a mile or two of each other is really dramatic yeah when we published our recommendation almost a year ago now uh, on the the day we published it where i live in granville there was a 30 cent difference in price between stations within two miles of each other wow and of course the fluctuation day-to-day is dramatic
0: um so we but we, it's also the thing we're most cognizant of. No other yeah, retail product screams at us on the street corner how much it is. So well, it's and the
2: not, other it's thing about the gas tax that we thought had
0: value
2: in terms of continuing to use it is that you pay a little bit at a time. You know, it's not like a registration fee or your state income tax. Um, you know, it's, it's just more palatable, I think, for the average motorist and voter.
0: Yeah. So going forward, trying to look forward, um, where do you guys think this goes from here? What's your What's your crystal ball tell you?
1: Well, it's, it, it's hard to tell, you know, I mean, because looking at it from the outside, it looks like we have a mess, you know, I mean, and uh, I think the mess uh, really stems from uh, the inability of people to talk to each other. And part of the reason we created the uh, Consensus Policy Project was to show that people uh, with pretty diverse views can still talk to each other and try and figure out how to come to consensus on major issues that face the state. Uh, no one would ever mistake Ken for a Democrat. Uh, I don't think anybody would even Maybe think. in his Weemiac days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nobody's going to confuse me with a Republican. You know, I mean, I still have a basic philosophy, but within that philosophy has got to be the ability to uh, achieve consensus on uh, issues. I mean, this country was founded with people who had incredibly uh, diverse views. I mean, and, uh, uh, you know, back then, some of them even shot each other over them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, they, they found that the secret to governing Was figuring out a way to come to a consensus.
0: So, in fairness to today's leaders, um, did you guys get along as well when you were on opposite sides of the aisle as you do now?
1: We probably get along better now than we did then, but uh, But I I, I think think we still had a relationship where we talked with each other, and part of that was due to the fact that we had served with each other for 20 years, you know, and uh, developed a relationship. You know, I mean, today I'm not sure most of these people know. What, what anybody else's wife's name is or what their kids or how many kids they
0: have or that sort of thing or have ever had. You know, when Vern Ehlers un- left Congress, he cited that as the, what he saw as the biggest problem in D.C., that very thing, that people aren't going out to dinner with each other and getting to know each other's families, and, you know, they fly home now. Well,
1: you yeah. got to find out that people are human. Even though you got a different uh, uh, position on issues, you know, I mean, you still got, you know, similar uh, uh, human issues that you all have to... Uh, uh, deal with, and it helps you understand a little better if there 's conversation you know where somebody's coming from
2: you know? you know it just it feels like a different political world today than when Bob and I served i mean, as he pointed out, you know on the surface there 's probably two more two it 's hard to find two people who are more different than he and I. I mean, he's from Flint, I'm from West Michigan. He was raised Catholic, I was raised Protestant. He, you know, started out working for the union, I didn't know what a union was. Hmm. Uh, he's a Democrat, I'm Republican. And there are probably even more differences, but I think we, we sort of had a common idea of government that you're there to solve a problem. So you asked, you know, did you get along as well when you served? Well, we probably had some words. <laughs> Uh, at times back then, but to be honest with you, we got along pretty well. I mean, you know, we knew what we were there for. We had to pass budgets, had to get things done, um, and there was kind of that unifying, I guess, principle, if you will, to our day-to-day work. And it just, um, you know, Bob characterizes characterizes it as you know it's you, you kind of wonder if people are talking to each other right now that that's just that's a foreign concept to me that if they're not
0: so one of the reasons we know for this that not having that longevity and having time to create those relationships is our very restrictive term limits uh, among the most restrictive in the country is that something the project is taking on
1: we have, we have not talked about that you know i mean i think uh, you know that really is an issue where we can talk about it uh, but i think uh, Leadership on that issue needs to come from somebody other than former legislators. You know, I mean, I think uh, people in the public, uh, the original term limits uh, uh, didn't originate from the legislature. I don't think the correction to that is going to originate uh, from the legislature former legislators. But, uh, you know, we, we, we've we talked about uh, uh, the fact that I think part of the reason things don't work as well today is uh, – Uh, term limits. I mean, when the four of us originally got together, John Cherry and Paul Hilligans and Ken and I, you know, we all had served with each other for uh, 14, 15, 16 years, uh, you know, and uh, in some cases more than that. uh, You know, and I always go back to uh, when uh, in 1994, when we passed Proposal A, the whole proposal was... uh, Uh, the people who came up with that were 14 people in the House, uh, uh, seven Democrats, seven Republicans. I looked at it, and the average tenure of each of those people was about 12 years. You know, we had one person who had only served two years, but he was a former superintendent, uh, Jim Agee. He understood the issue. You know, so he understood school financing uh, uh, fairly well. Everybody else, had been in the legislature at least 10 years. And uh, so they knew each other. They knew what uh, uh, there was acceptable to their constituents. They knew you know, where they could compromise, where they couldn't. And I think term limits today limits people's ability to feel that comfortable uh, in, in dealing with each other.
0: Well, so do you see happening next year or sometime after that, uh, I mean, speaking of Proposal A, a similar situation where you know the governor and legislature agreed, like let's do this, but let's take it to the voters, but not as a yes or no, but as an either or proposition. You're talking about road funding, yeah, for road I think funding. that's a possibility.
2: Um, you know, but that's was the key feature of school finance reform twenty-five years ago was, you, you know, you can't just vote no, you know, you you got to pick pick your poison in terms yeah. of how to solve the problem, and, and I think that that can be a possibility. Um, but you asked earlier if you if you look in your crystal ball about road funding, what do you see? Well, I look at my crystal ball and it looks awfully murky. In <laughs> um, terms of term limits, I'd like to see us make a little bit more progress on road funding before we tackle term limits.
0: I uh, know I was thinking the two are kind of tied together, but you're, <laughs> but you're, I understand. But I, I
2: could see I could see a ballot proposal that says you know. Pick one of these two options in terms of funding to fix the roads. I prefer, and one of the reasons we settled in on the gas tax, not the only reason, but one of them was because the legislature and the governor could do it. They didn't have to go to the voters. My preference is the people whose job it is to solve the problem, solve the problem.
0: Yeah, with so many other agencies and so many other public policy challenges, in a way, this one's easier because transportation has a historic Success with the gas tax as a user fee, and there's not many other things you can tie to a user fee that like, like you can with transportation. That's why it makes sense. So, what do you think about this? Um, something I've thought about for a long time, and I offer it up to people, and they always say, hmm, that's interesting. I mean, what if we went to a public service commission model? I mean, we don't have to go to the legislature to keep the lights on, you know. Why do we have to go to the legislature to get our roads fixed?
1: Well, you'd have to change a whole lot of history. You know, sure. and uh, uh, I think...
0: But uh, nobody, you don't hear people talking about their electric rates going up or their, you know, or their cable or their phone. I mean, maybe we grouse a little, but we're not nearly as aware of it as we are the gas techs. Well, We just take it for granted, right? They I got think, together and...
1: Uh, I think people do grouse a bit about it. Uh, sure, they do, but... if if government were in charge of... Uh, uh, making that decision, you'd probably hear a lot more about it, uh, since you have private companies making the decisions on what rates are going to be. You know, right. I, mean, I, I have have joked with my spouse about the fact that uh, can I remember thirty years ago when you had a telephone attached to your wall in your kitchen or uh, next to your sofa in the living room and you know, somebody would make a long distance call or two and you'd complain that the uh, phone bill was $30, you know. I mean, and you got to stop making those calls, right. you know. I mean, uh, uh, somehow it's gotten too much. Now, you know, I pay $230 a month, uh, you know, for a cell phone that does about everything, uh, you know, I, I can think of, you know. And the private companies have figured out ways to make us want this even more. You know, I mean, I think the roads and the condition of the roads are making people want them fixed you know and the real question is how do you find the revenue to fix it and uh, uh, you know we we thought the gas tax made sense Uh, you know I don't think you can continually take money out of the uh, budget having been budget director I I know uh, I couldn't have found a billion dollars in the budget that uh, made sense to take out and clearly uh, You have a lot of disagreement in the legislature today about whether or not that budget was a serious budget that ended up being passed.
0: Yeah, so what is it you said you did on your first day as budget director?
1: Well, you know, so you could eliminate a lot of the discussion because uh, everybody thinks there's so much waste, fraud, and abuse in state government that uh, I ordered my staff to go out and eliminate every line item in the state budget uh, that had waste, fraud, and abuse in it. Yeah. And so I eliminated all the waste, fraud, and so, abuse so in thanks state again government. for doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't think anybody's reinstated it. But, uh, you, yeah. know, I, you know, I mean, there is certainly, uh, in anybody's mind, there, you could identify some excess spending somewhere in state government. But you're what? not going to find a billion dollars. Uh, well, my
0: idea of the PSC model is just that at some point, the legislature would get tired of this issue always hanging around and if you indexed it in in 1997 if it had been 12 cents and indexed for inflation we wouldn't be having this discussion right now so yeah
2: I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of a non-elected body having the authority the ability to raise the gas tax um, as Bob said you would not only would you have to reverse a lot of history in terms of how you fund the roads and who's accountable but you would then ha- you'd have to create the body and so now the debate rather than the Having a debate about how to fix the roads—it's a debate about well, how much authority do they have, and do you cap their ability to raise it at five cents each year or five cents over ten years? And um I just—I'm—I'm I'm not a fan of of a,
0: a non-elected body because the system we have now has worked so well.
2: Well, you know, it's democracy, as Winston Churchill said, it's a lousy form of government, it's but it's the best, best yeah, you know, yeah. and. um even in the even in the past i mean raising the gas tax in 1997 wasn't a piece of cake and it just didn't happen overnight. No, I mean it, it
0: was a heavy lift.
2: Yeah, and it was, um, and it happened over time. And, you know, after we got through all the debate about, well, let's first get the waste, fraud, and abuse out of government. Well, what about the warranties? Well, how come M6 has to be rebuilt? I mean, all of those kinds of debates, we finally got through them all and said, yeah, we still need some money. Yeah.
0: Um, That's a whole other discussion we'll have to have sometime since you're so familiar with M6 and why it is that Michigan has this incredibly robust road warranty program and no other state does it. So,
2: Well, it was just an example.
0: I know, but happening. I, I yeah. mean that's a that's a whole nother, that's a really interesting topic. So anyway, thanks for doing this. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I'll get to have you guys back again when when something does pass and we can talk about it and what uh, what the project is moving on to. Did you have any parting thoughts, Bob?
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity to be here today.
0: Okay, thanks. No, I, I appreciate the chance, and
2: uh, you know I'm. I, I, force myself to be mildly optimistic that we're, we're going to be able to solve this problem.
0: Even though the crystal ball is murky.
2: Murky crystal ball.
0: <laughs> well, thank you both. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Talking Michigan Transportation. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more on SoundCloud or by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.